You know, I like to use stories from my life. I have lived uh, a very eventful life, mostly based on dumb, dumb choices and bad decisions. Uh, I've brought a lot of the stuff in my life on by myself. But what I do know is that God does use things that you've gone through and things in your life to bring him glory. So when I was uh, younger, I got in a lot of trouble. I mean, all the time. In fact, you know, and you guys probably heard my story about adoption where my dad had adopted us. Uh, well, to give you kind of perspective, when my dad first met me and my older brother, I had just recently got expelled from school for a year and a half. I was in third grade. And I had just recently almost set my grandparents' garage on fire. And so he met me uh, knowing this thing, right? So he didn't go into the relationship with my mom and with us uh, unprepared. Well, my life continued from there of terrible choices. I got in fights all the time. I was using drugs, alcohol. Uh, was very disobedient. My dad was a state trooper, so he flew around a lot because we lived on the Aleutian chains for a while and some other places. And anytime he would leave town, I would just be dis completely disobedient to my mom. Whatever I wanted to do, I would do. And I would just suffer the consequences when he got back. And so lead up to like when I was 17, right? This is a lifelong, I mean, I was going to jail, I was getting out of jail, I was running away, all these things. And so it was actually, my mom reminded me the other day when I was talking to her, it was on Valentine's Day actually. And uh, we'd gone out to eat and my dad said, I, I'd walked home and my dad said, nobody can come in the house. I had to go home to get ready for work. I was 17 years old. And my dad was like, nobody can come in the house. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I go home, I'm getting ready. My younger brother's there with me. And three of the guys that I worked, for, uh, worked with, that were my friends, came over. And so I let them come in just to the entryway. I opened the door. I was like, just come into the entryway. And I get ready. I'm about to leave. My dad shows up. And he comes in, and he was like, I said nobody was supposed to be in the house. I was like, well, they're not really in the house. They're just right here in the entryway. My dad says, nobody in the house means nobody in the house. Not even in the entryway. He was like, you're not going to work anymore. You're quitting your job. It's because I was disobedient. Well, I lost my cool. And I freaked out. And I started yelling and swearing and uh, saying all the obscenities that you could think of to my dad. And he was like, well, if you think you can do better, then today's the day that you can leave. And so I said, fine, I'm leaving. Now, I lived in Alaska. And it's February. <laughs> but I left, and that was the last day that I ever stayed at my parents' house. You know, nobody in their right mind would ever say that my dad was unjust or unfair in this situation. Who would think that he was unjust or unfair? Nobody. He had every right to remove me. It was his house, it was his rules, and I broke them. You know, I convinced myself and anyone else that would listen that my dad was wrong. Yeah. And it's easy, to, it's easy to convince people around you that, you know, hey, look at this. Yeah. Look at this. They live the same lifestyle. So good. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I believed in my heart. I believed it. For years, I mean years, I was angry. As if my dad was the one who was the problem. Yeah. 
You know, the thoughts that went through my my head were, how could he do that? Doesn't he love me? And why did he reject me if he does? You know, when I was writing this yesterday, um, because, uh, (laughs) what? (laughs) Yeah, what? I look. I pre-prepare for for as long as I can, and then I just write it out. Everything's. I do it differently. Everything goes in my brain, and I just put it on paper when I write it. So um, when I was writing this yesterday, um, (laughs) I was sitting there, and uh, I got super teary-eyed when I was thinking about this. And the reason why is because, I mean, you guys can hear it, but like, I remember the feeling and how it felt during that time. But that's not what made my eyes tear up. The thing that made my eyes tear up was knowing now how much my dad loved me and what he did for me. How could I ever think that about him? Don't we do that to God sometimes? It wasn't until I gave my life to the Lord that I knew I was wrong. I knew it. I was the reason that I was removed. I rejected him. I was guilty and he was just. In Romans 9, 14 through 29, there's a lot of scripture reading. So it says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this pur- very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he, he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. You say, to the, you say to me then, why does he find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have the power over the clay? From the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering? with vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called the sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of children of Israel be as the sand in the sea, the remnant will be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed, he would have become like Sodom and we would have become like Gomorrah. Now, in the beginning of this verse, which I really like, it asks if God is unrighteous and other other translations use the word unjust. And so Paul is answering the question and he says, certainly not with boldness. It's like an emphatic, like certainly not. See, Romans chapters 9 through 11 are all talking about Israel's election, rejection of the gospel, and salvation. And even though God had made his covenant with Abraham, God's chosen people, 
It ended up not being chosen by lineage only, but to faithfulness to God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Since Israel rejected the gospel of Jesus, it opened the door for the Gentiles to be saved as well. So the question I ask, is God unjust? Certainly not. Oftentimes the reason people think that God is unjust or unfair is because we try to regulate God with our own morals. But it can't be done. We can't comprehend the holiness of God. He is perfect, he is pure, and he is righteous. Nobody could live up to the standard, even if they consider themselves a good person. Because next to God, nobody is good. Luke 18, 19, so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. Since some people truly can't grasp the holiness of God and their depravity, they tend to think that maybe God is the one who's unjust. You know, I've heard a bunch of things over the years of why people say God is unjust. You know what the sad part is, though? It's mostly Christians. It's mostly Christians. Oftentimes, if you ask someone who's not a Christian why they think God is unjust, they'll be like, I never thought of that. A lot of them. It's Christians. So be careful next time. I've heard many things. What about innocent babies and children dying? If God was fair, then there wouldn't be disease and illness. People getting abused and children getting abused. How is that fair? Or someone I loved followed Christ with their, their whole life and he didn't save them. You know, there's this band that I really like. I'm not going to tell you the name. It's probably one of the greatest bands of all time. <laughs> and uh, he had grown up in a, the lead singer grew up in a, a Christian home. They went to a Baptist church and uh, his mom ended up getting an aneurysm. And she faithfully served the Lord through this aneurysm all throughout, uh, all throughout her time at the church. Loved God, gave him the glory. And a few years later, or years later, she died from it. And so this guy was still attending the church, went and somebody in the church, uh, one of the other attenders said, uh, your mom died from this aneurysm because she didn't have enough faith. And so if you listen to this guy's music, which I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he's got plenty of songs that are written about his mom, that explain it, that are talking about the way the church treated her and how religion is the reason this happened. But it wasn't God. See, this kind of thought process is more common than people think. That I'm going to blame him. You know, and the real problem is people always want to find a scapegoat for things that happen in their life. And sometimes they blame God. They think that it just eases the pain involved. But God is not unjust. He has a plan and a will that only he fully knows. You know, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine not fully understanding God's whole plan. I mean, maybe I'm dumb, but I just, I don't care. It doesn't matter. He knows. I'll find out sometime maybe if he allows me to. The bigger problem is that people live their life with what should be owed to us. 
Anybody still any time is like, I worked this hard. I deserve this. You know, people think that if they work hard and live honorably, that that means they should live a long life, a good life. That things shouldn't happen to them. But that's not how it works. Because we daily miss the mark in our own lives. I mean, maybe not you guys, but I do often. (laughs) I often miss the mark. Because if we really got what we deserved from God, it would be hell for everyone. Instead, God had mercy. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, and he took our place. He got what we deserved, which was death. So that way, you and I could find salvation through him. Is God unjust? Certainly not. He is just and he is merciful. So back to the day that I got kicked out of my parents' house or was removed and I left. Remember I said it was Alaska and it was cold. It was February. It was super cold. I remember I was like roaming the streets because I was able to stay with a friend for one night. And uh, I would sit there at night like super cold, right? And so I lived in this town called Petersburg. Uh, and they had a dock down there and a bunch of fishing boats. And so what I would do is I would go down and I would stay in these freezing cold fishing boats. Like, you know, because people aren't living in there. So I'd find one that might have had a blanket and sit in there. And I did this for days. And my mom was always really good at tracking me down. I mean, it wasn't the biggest place, right? So she'd track me down. And parents are weird, right? (laughs) I don't know if you know, but parents are weird. My kids think I'm weird every time because I'd run away and she'd track me down too, but she couldn't make me go home. Every time she'd bring me a toothbrush. (laughs) You can't not have a toothbrush. And so anyway, she tracked me down. And remember, I'm, I'm living right now in the streets, legitimately in the freezing cold. She takes me and she buys me a, a, a lunch or something. I think it was lunch. She said to me, she said, if you go and apologize to your dad and stop the things you're doing, he will forgive you and he will let you come back home. But I still rejected it. I would rather live in the cold Come on. on the streets than be in a warm, loving house where my father truly cared about me and loved me. Yeah. I rejected him again. Yeah. Even after everything I had done, my dad was willing to let me come back home. Having every reason to do what he did, he was still loving, forgiving, and merciful. And just because I rejected his mercy didn't make the fact that he's not merciful. Deuteronomy 4.31 For the Lord your God is merciful God. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. See, if we look at the meaning of mercy, you can see just how God merciful, or how merciful God is. And now at its most basic, mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Even though we deserve judgment, God is willing to give us mercy, even though he still knows our thoughts, our actions, and the intents of our hearts. I don't know if anybody's like me, but there's sometimes my mind does things where I think things on purpose, and I'm like, it takes me a minute to be like, oh God, I'm sorry. Why would I think that evil towards somebody? 
Yeah. Yeah. God knows that we don't measure up. Even when we make mistakes, he forgives. Throughout the whole Bible, it shows how merciful God is. But one of the main reasons he shows mercy is because he desires to have a relationship with us. God desires a relationship with you. But without mercy, there could be no relationship between us. Because at that point, he would be giving us what we deserve. If he wasn't merciful, he wouldn't want a relationship. I mean, if you guys have ever had a relationship that went bad where someone did you really wrong, you would know exactly how that feels. You're like, that relationship's over. I want nothing to do with you. But God isn't willing to do that. It's because he's better than all of us. I'm sure there's a lot of people in here that'd be like, no, no, I'm done. (laughs) If you accepted Christ and repent, he will have mercy on you. Psalm 86:15 But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in mercy and truth. God's mercy is rooted in his love for us. Since we are sinners and deserve punishment, and God is righteous, he gives mercy. Because God is holy, there needs to be a penalty for sin. But because he is merciful, he allowed Jesus to take our place. And I praise God that he did that. I don't want judgment and damnation. I want to live with his presence for eternity. I want my life to be spent here on earth doing what he asks of me. Honoring him and glorifying him. Wherever he wants to send me, that's where I want to go. Whatever he speaks to me, that's what I want to listen to. I'm glad he's merciful. Because God is sovereign. He doesn't have to do anything for us. He is the creator and we are the created. And now the whole overall theme of Romans 9, 14 through 29 is the sovereignty of God. He will do what pleases him. And now I myself, and maybe you should as well, find comfort in the sovereignty because he controls all things. Nothing happens outside of what his will is. You guys remember back when quarantine started? Like five, six years ago? (laughs) Doesn't it feel that long? Doesn't it feel so long? So, I don't know, I mean, some of you guys probably know, but our youngest daughter, uh, Nevaeh, has lupus. And so when this whole COVID thing first started happening, we actually ended up locking down before um, early. Uh, Seattle Children's Hospital had told us to uh, pull my other kids from school and that we should stay locked up in the house. I talked to Pastor Matt, he agreed. He was like, yeah, that's fine. Nobody knew anything about what was going on. I feel kind of dumb about it now, though. (laughs) So we're locked up, right? And we're not trying to do anything. Like, we're staying home. We're not going anywhere. I was probably more fearful than my wife was because she still went shopping. I was like, I'm not even getting in the car. (laughs) 
And so, no, for real, I didn't get a car for like a month and a half. And then finally we went to Lowe's. <laughs> I think she wanted me to do stuff or something. I don't know. And so we, we had allowed this fear to creep in. Because we were concerned with our youngest daughter. Not myself, not my wife, not my other children. They're fine. But she's got an autoimmune disease. So we knew nothing about what was going on. And we let this fear build and build and build and build. But little did I know what was happening. is It was, a, it was uh, allowing me to distrust God. The fear was creeping in and I wasn't trusting in him. I remember being, I, I remember, it get, and I can be vulnerable, right? Yeah. It got to the point that we were so separated. We weren't coming over to service outside. We were watching. And, uh, and I love everybody in here. And I believe everybody in here preaches the biblical truth. But what Satan does is creep in. And I would watch things. And I'd be like, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with that so much. Yes. Because we're separated from the body. Yes. We're by ourselves. And Satan's attacking us. Yes. And we'd have these conversations. And one day I realized, I was like, God, I'm not trusting you. I'm not trusting in your sovereignty. And when I finally did, and I came to the realization, I was like, God is sovereign, and whatever happens, happens. If this illness takes any of our lives, then that's what it is. God knows there's nothing out of his control. But it was remembering the sovereignty of God God that got us through it. It was comforting to me to know that God was in control no matter what. It allowed me to realign my thoughts and put my trust back in God because he will accomplish whatever he wills to do. He's allowed to do that because he is God and we are not. Who are we to argue or even question what his purpose is? And that's what the sovereignty of God really is, is that everything is under his control. Nothing happens without God's permission or his direction. He works all things according to his will. Ephesians 1.11 In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God's plan and purpose will be fulfilled. And nothing takes him by surprise. God has the power and even the right to govern all things. He is not just sovereign in principle, but he is sovereign in practice as well. You see it throughout the whole Bible. He is sovereign over everything. Remember when Jesus spoke to the water and said, see see, be calm? And it did. The wind and the rain listened. Because he's sovereign over everything. That's right. There is nothing that happens on this earth or even in the universe, as far as you could think, that is outside of God's control. He is the ruler of all things. And it is his choice to do what he wants so his glory is shown. Now I want to look at some scriptures and see what it says about him. In Revelation 21, 6, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the foundation of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He is the beginning and the end. He created time. He has always been. He's the uncreated. Colossians 1.16 For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Everything created. Everything through him and for him. God is omniscient. He knows everything. God is omnipotent. That means he has unlimited power and he's able to do anything. He's omnipresent, which is widely or constantly encountered, common or widespread. A synonym would be he's present everywhere. That means everything around us. You can see, if you look hard enough and you actually take the time, you can see God in almost everything. You can see it in his creation. You can see it in trees. You can see it in the wind. You can see it in, I mean, I over-spiritualizing things, but these are his creations. I mean, you can even see it in catastrophes like tornadoes. Like who can make that? And the universe and the earth. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. God is the authority over all things. Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. God has created everything and rules over everything. And see, that should bring all of us comfort and hope. It brings me comfort and hope. I can make my decisions in the day-to-day life and know that in the grand scheme of things, God is in control over everything, and whatever happens is according to his will. Yeah, that's good. Even if I can't comprehend it. Sure. I'll sit there and stay in the middle like, uh, whatever. Like, oh, <laughs> one day. One day, God. I'm okay with not knowing. Yeah. And even though we can't control everything in our lives even, God is still sovereign and his plan will be accomplished. Even though we'll never understand his complete sovereignty. And this is why, like, when I looked at scripture, I was kind of like, oh, this might be kind of hard. Because how do you explain the full sovereignty of God to people? Like, it's impossible. Like, try to do the best job that I could do. We must trust and know that God knows what's best. Not only in your own life, but throughout all of creation. See, for myself, I will continue to put my faith in him because he is just, he is merciful, and he is sovereign. Will you bow your heads? Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we come together and worship you. God, I just, I pray that uh, you continue to work in our lives, Father. Continue to show us how merciful you are, God. Let us trust and believe in your sovereignty that you will work things for your will. No matter how bad they are, no matter how good they are, that we will always be able to rely on you and trust in you because it's always bigger than us. We love you. We honor you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.